This episode is brought to you by Kraken. Crypto is like the financial system, but different. It doesn't care where you come from, what you look like, your credit score, or your outrageous food delivery habits. Crypto is finance for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Visit kraken.com slash see what crypto can be to learn more. Don't invest unless you're prepared to lose all the money you invest. This is a high-risk investment, and you should not expect to be protected if something goes wrong. Reimagining business possibility with lounge underwear and Afrocentrics, powered by Shopify. When we switched to Shopify, our sales tripled overnight. Having Shopify at your fingertips that just allows us to kind of jump in. Start selling today with Shopify to join the commerce platform powering thousands of businesses across the UK. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.co.uk slash green. Go to shopify.co.uk slash green to start selling online today. You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium from Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the strange death of David Glenn Lewis. On the night of the 1st of February 1993, a motorist on State Route 24, east of Yakima, Washington, saw a man wandering around on the highway near Rivard Road in the town of Moxie. After the motorist had passed him, he then decided to turn around and warn other drivers on the road about this wandering man. However, when the motorist returned to the scene, he found that the man had already been struck by another vehicle, which had left the scene. The man was subsequently pronounced dead on the scene, but he was not identified as David Glenn Lewis for another 11 years. Yes, I did say 11 years. And this was after a police officer discovered a photograph of his very distinctive glasses in an online missing persons report. How and why the 39-year-old David Glenn Lewis had travelled the 1,606 miles from his home near Amarillo, Texas, where he was last confirmed to have been seen three days prior to his death, to end up in central Washington, is not known. Greetings! Unexplainers. Thank you for tuning in once again and giving your brain a break by listening to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a true crime buff, and a man who is made for entertainment purposes only. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about the unexplained story surrounding the strange death of David Glenn Lewis. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This story is a tale regarding to a possible hit and run, so may prove upsetting to some. You listen at your own discretion. And I, I sorry, and I also point out that all opinions and comments are strictly my own, 
but the facts of the case always remain true. I also apologise once again if I pronounce anything incorrectly, as my English, although it is my first and only language, can still make me laugh sometimes. Although I was a little sad the other day when I stood on a grape, it turned out to be okay as it just let out a little wine. Anyway, enough of this foolishness. Let's get back to the story at hand. David Glenn Lewis was born on the 11th of December 1953 in a place called Borger near Armarillo. After graduating from Phillips High School in Hutchinson County, originally known as Phillips, he then attended Texas Tech, graduating from there in 1975 with a degree in political science. And following that, he went on to get a degree in law in 1979. On a quick but early interesting side note, Phillips is now known as a ghost town in Hutchinson County, Texas, United States. It was founded as Pantex, Texas in 1938. So Pantex and Wittenberg were combined and they renamed the town as Phillips due to the Phillips Petroleum Company being the dominant employer in the region. On the 19th of March 1950, a fire destroyed the high school, so local churches housed the school sorry, housed the school classes until the new school was rebuilt. The school today is actually one of the few buildings left standing in Phillips and is used at the time of writing this show as a business premises by the Phillips 66 refinery. David Glenn Lewis married his wife Karen Lewis in 1982 and soon after the couple had their only child, a daughter that they named Lauren Lewis. David Glenn Lewis and his family resided in Dumas in the north of Amarillo, Texas. He maintained both a private practice and served as a assistant county attorney in the Sherman and Wheeler counties. And in 1986, David Glenn Lewis was elected as a judge of the court at law in Moore County, which is also in the state of Texas. Four years later, David Glenn Lewis resigned from the position of judge at the court law, sorry, at the court at law to run, without success I hasten to add, for the 69th district court judgeship. Soon after, David Glenn Lewis returned to private law practice with a local Armarillo firm. Sorry, but I can't seem to find the name of the firm. Oh well. And he also taught government classes at the Armarillo College. On the 28th of January 1993, David Glenn Lewis left work at his Armarillo law firm at approximately midday telling his work colleagues that he was feeling unwell and that he was going home to recover. 
credit card records show that a gasoline purchase had been made by him on that same afternoon. The last time and place where David Glenn Lewis was seen alive in the Armarillo area was at a class he was teaching at the Armarillo College that evening up until 10pm. The next day, on the Friday of the 29th of January, his wife, Karen Lewis, and his daughter, Lauren Lewis, left their home for a weekend shopping trip to Dallas, so they did not see David before they left home. David Lewis had already planned to stay home over the weekend so that he could watch the Dallas Cowboys, his favourite football team, play in the Super Bowl twenty-seven. Apparently, it was the Cowboys' first appearance in the National Football League's championship game in 14 years. And on yet another interesting side note here, the Super Bowl 27 was an American football game between the American Football Conference, AFC champions, Buffalo Bills, and the National Football Conference, NFC champions, Dallas Cowboys, to decide the National Football League NFL champion for the 1992 season. The Cowboys defeated the Bills by the score of 52-17, winning their third Super Bowl in team history and their first one in 15 years. The game is tied with the Super Bowl 38 back in 2003 as the fourth highest scoring Super Bowl with 69 combined points as of 2023. In that year of 1992, the NFL booked Michael Jackson to perform during the entire Super Bowl 27 halftime show. Michael Jackson's performance started the league's new trend of signing top acts to appear during the Super Bowl to attract both more viewers and interest. During the day, a member of David Lewis's church in his hometown of Dumas reported that they had seen him hurrying through the Southwest Airlines terminal at the Armarillo International Airport and that he did not appear to be carrying any luggage. At 10.30pm that same night on the 29th of January, a local Armarillo police officer who was patrolling downtown Armarillo noticed that parked outside the Potter County Courthouse was a red Ford Explorer, the same colour, make and model as David Glenn Lewis's car. However, the next day the car had disappeared from the spot. Later on, back in Dumas, a neighbour claimed that they saw David Lewis's Red Explorer actually parked on his own driveway. The last confirmed sighting of David Glenn Lewis, according to the uh, police report, was sometime during the day on the 30th of January 1993. And after this first short break, in part two, we will look at further details of David Glenn Lewis's disappearance and the continual disappearance and reappearance of his red Ford Explorer vehicle.
This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE 10-1AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app available on both iOS and Android for only £3.99 to keep up to date with what is coming up at the centre. It is the next morning and it's Super Bowl Sunday and the aforementioned Deputy Sheriff in Armorillo noticed David Lewis's Red Explorer parked by the Potter County Courthouse yet again. Only this time, he noticed that there was a man who matched David Glenn Lewis's description just across the street, apparently taking photographs of his car. Later that evening, after the Super Bowl game had ended, David Lewis's wife, Karen Lewis, and daughter, Lauren Lewis, both returned home from their shopping weekend expedition in Dallas. When the girls let themselves in, they noticed that David Lewis was not at home. However, they did find the VCR, or video cassette recorder, because don't forget this is the, um, this is uh, back in the early 90s, was still recording the Supermatch Bowl and had begun doing so before the game had even started. When the girls looked in the refrigerator, they noticed that there were two turkey sandwiches and that the laundry had been left in the washing machine. Another odd thing that Karen and Lauren had noticed was that his wedding ring and watch were left on the kitchen counter. Karen Lewis had assumed at the time that her husband David had been watching the game, perhaps at a friend's house, and then returned to work afterwards. The next day, on the 1st of February 1993, a Dallas taxi driver reported taking a man who looked like David Glenn Lewis from a local hotel to the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. The taxi driver said that the man seemed nervous and had paid for his fare in cash, which he pulled from a wad of $100 bills. 
Meanwhile, back in the Armorillo area, after learning that David Lewis had missed two work appointments, his wife, Karen Lewis, called the police to report that her husband was missing. And by the end of the day, he was officially classified as a missing person. Police had found David Glenn Lewis's Red Explorer again, parked by the Potter County Courthouse in downtown Armarillo. Inside the car, they found his keys under the floor mat, with various other items being found in other parts of the car's interior, including his checkbook, driver's license, and two gas station credit cards. His wife, Karen Lewis reported that there was only one item of his clothing, a pair of green sweatpants, that he could, that she could not account for. When the Armorillo police investigated David Glenn Lewis's financial activity over his last weekend, the narrative grew very complicated, suggesting either that he or someone else with access to his account had made plans to travel outside the Armarillo area. On the 30th of January 1993, or the Saturday that David Glenn Lewis was last seen, it was noticed by the Armarillo police that $5,000 had been deposited into his bank account. However, it could not be determined who actually made this deposit. On the next day, the 31st of January, a plane ticket going from Amarillo to Dallas was purchased in David Glenn Lewis's name. However, whether it was actually used by David Lewis or someone claiming to be him could not be determined. Remember guys, this was 1993 and without the technology that we have today for tracing and tracking people, finding most people was actually quite a challenge. To make things even more confusing, police found that another plane ticket, this time going from Los Angeles to Dallas, was purchased under similar circumstances on the same day that Karen Lewis reported her husband David missing. This was on the 1st of February 1993. The Armarillo police also considered the possibility that David Glenn Lewis's work as a judge and lawyer might have made him some enemies over the years who were now determined to have him killed. His wife Karen Lewis recalled that she had received a, sorry that he had received a few death threats while on the bench and that since then he had represented a man in a lawsuit brought against him by a son-in-law who had been convicted of murder. But while that particular client had believed that David Glenn Lewis had been killed over his legal work, he did not believe his son-in-law was responsible, mainly because he did not have the connections or resources to coordinate a revenge killing from prison. At the time of David Glenn Lewis's disappearance, he had been a defendant of a lawsuit which had been brought against him and several other lawyers, along with a former client. Karen Lewis, his wife, found out several months later that David Glenn Lewis 
was the only defendant in the case who had yet to testify or give evidence and wondered if that might have had something to do with his sudden disappearance. David Lewis's files on the case have never been found and his own lawyer very much doubted that this particular case had anything to do with his disappearance anyway, as no one involved with the case would have gained anything by it. David Lewis's family continued to believe that he had somehow met with foul play. His wife, Karen Lewis, noted that David Lewis was looking forward to his daughter's upcoming birthday. Other friends of David Lewis said that he had also been talking about his upcoming career possibilities and pointed to his continued community involvement with the Boy Scouts and United Way. And on another interesting side note, you might ask who are United Way? Well, according to the United Way website, United Way mobilises communities around the world to open opportunities so that everyone can thrive. Through our global network spanning 37 countries and 1,100 communities, United Way connects partners, donors, volunteers and community leaders to tackle the root causes of the world's most complex challenges while making a positive impact on the lives of millions of people. Both David Glenn Lewis's wife, Karen Lewis, and his daughter, Lauren Lewis, believed that he had not disappeared voluntarily. However, the Armorillo police believed that he just might have. They saw him as perhaps a little bitter over his election loss for the aforementioned 69th District Court Judgeship, that he had worried about slow business at the law firm and also the prospects of losing the lawsuit against him. The lead detective on the case said, and I quote, There is a lot of uh, earmarking of suicide. He also added, and I quote, People don't, don't always uh, do what they expect. Some reports to the Armorillo police put David Glenn Lewis in all sorts of various locations, including Arizona, Mexico and Tucson. And by June, the Armorillo police admitted that the investigation into David Glenn Lewis's disappearance had reached a dead end. Police asked his wife, Karen Lewis, to take a lie detector test, but she refused which led to tensions within the Lewis family. In 2002, the Armorillo police closed the case, claiming that the purchased plane tickets had led them to conclude that David Glenn Lewis had disappeared of his own accord with no signs of any foul play. After this second short break, in part three, we will look at the reappearance of David Glenn Lewis in unfortunate circumstances and how it took some 11 years to identify his body. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world 
to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts and exclusive invitation-only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www.frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before, then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future? They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do. At 10.30pm on the 1st of February 1993 in the town of Moxie, Washington, just east of Yakima, motorists who were driving along the SR24 near its intersection with Rivard Road saw a man walking around literally in the middle of the road looking apparently disorientated. One of the motorists, shortly after passing the strange man near the intersection, turned around with the intention of at least warning other oncoming vehicles of the hazard ahead. However, things took a very sudden dark turn for when the motorists returned to where they had seen the strange man, they found him lying in the road, apparently the victim of a hit and run. He was then pronounced dead at the scene. With no identification on the strange man, he was considered an unidentified decadent and simply known as John Doe. And on an interesting side note, an unidentified decadent or unidentified person, also known as a UID or UIP, is a corpse of a person whose identity cannot be established by both police and medical examiners. In many cases, it can be several years before the identities of some unide unidentified decadents are found, while in some cases they are never identified. UIDs are often referred to by the placeholder names of John Doe or Jane Doe. So, this is the situation. While law enforcement in Washington DC attempts to determine their John Doe's identification, police in Amarillo had opened an investigation into John, David John Lewis's disappearance. In Washington DC, 
the autopsy on their John Doe showed that he had died from injuries consistent with being struck by an oncoming vehicle. Although there was no actual way to determine whether the incident had been completely accidental or not. All the blood tests showed no evidence of any drug or alcohol use. The only thing that Washington law enforcement had to go on was that the motorist who had found the body of the strange man in the road claimed that he had seen a Chevrolet Camaro heading in the opposite direction at speed after they turned around. However, the Chevrolet Camaro was never located and neither were there any other witnesses at the scene. Fast forward to early 2003, 10 years later, and a Washington State Patrol detective in the Yakima area, a Mr. Pat Ditter, is reading a Seattle Post Intelligence—I'll try that one again. Sorry, Seattle Post Intelligence series on the problems involved in investigating long-term missing person cases. It appeared that law enforcement typically assign these missing person cases as low priority and databases of such cases did not, at the time, communicate, making for many fewer matches between missing persons and unidentified decadents. While most of the cases that the articles discussed were in the Seattle area, they started Detective Pat Ditter thinking about the hit-and-run incident on the 1st of February with their own John Doe. Pat Ditter's law enforcement supervisor at Washington PD said, and I quote, He got to thinking if you can be wrong there, it can be wrong here. The Seattle Post-Intelligence Series article had focused on the shortcomings of the Federal National Crime Information Center, or the NCIC database, which is a proprietary tool commonly used by police agencies at all levels. Pat Ditter wondered if Google, which by then was gaining popularity among the online public communities, could instead offer some other form of insight. The Washington State Patrol detective then began searching Google for cases of missing men who shared the same weight and height as their John Doe. And within a week, Pat Ditter had managed to put together a list of at least a dozen possible matches. One with one of the possible matches being that of David Glenn Lewis. Pat Ditter found David Lewis's picture on two different websites. One of them was run by the Texas Department of Public Safety and the other one from the Doe Network pages, both with strongly resembling photographs that were taken of the deceased John Doe in 1993. The only problem was the distinctive glasses that David Lewis wore. Their own hit-and-run John Doe had not been wearing any glasses. However, there were eyeglasses that had been inventoried among his personal effects. Luckily, the clothing worn by their John Doe included his military-style camouflage fatigues and work boots, 
they had been kept in an evidence locker since his death in 1993. So Pat Ditter decided to take a look through the John Doe's clothing evidence and, hey presto, found the very glasses in the pockets of the clothing that exactly matched the pair from the picture on the website. So, without any hesitation, he contacted the Armarillo police. The department also managed to get hold of some of John Doe's DNA from a small tissue sample that had also been kept in evidence, along with a DNA sample from David Glenn Lewis's mother. In the October of 2004, the University of North Texas reported that there was a 99.91% chance that the two samples were from the same person, and as a result, both the missing person and the unidentified decadent cases regarding David Glenn Lewis were finally closed. This is of course good news from the Lewis family, both with the identification of the Washington John Doe and the whereabouts of the husband and father, David Glenn Lewis. However, it still doesn't answer the question of how David Glenn Lewis got from Armarillo to the Yakima area, and more importantly, what was he doing there? After a little research, I can find no direct flights between the two cities from 1993, and the 1,606 mile drive between the two places would have taken nearly 24 hours long, non-stop. According to David Glenn Lewis's family, he had never had any connections, or at least that they knew of, to anybody in Washington, D.C. Both Karen and Lauren Lewis, that's the mother and daughter, still believe, as they have since his disappearance, that David Glenn Lewis had been abducted, although they are flexible and believe it is possible that David went to Yakima voluntarily. Another strange thing to add to the case is that as far as she knew, Karen Lewis that is, her husband never owned any fatigue style clothing, nor work boots, that he had been wearing when he was killed. And then why they were being kept in an evidence locker for 11 years. She has pointed out that it was a that it was strange that he was not wearing his glasses at the time of the accident, even though he actually needed them to see. After the DNA connection was confirmed between the Washington DC's John Doe and the missing David Glenn Lewis, he was finally reburied in a cemetery closer to home. Thank you all for taking time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show 70, we are going to be looking at thalidomide. In the late 1950s to the early 1960s, the use of the drug thalidomide was widely used in 46 countries by women who were pregnant or who subsequently became pregnant, which resulted in the biggest man-made medical disaster ever. 
with more than 10,000 children born with a wide range of severe deformities such as phacomelia, as well as thousands of women who underwent miscarriages. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pooler. With special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinkley. And a big thanks to everyone for listening. Mark's Unexplained World, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember guys, keep it real, because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium. Reimagining business possibility with lounge underwear and Afrocentrics, powered by Shopify. When we switched to Shopify, our sales tripled overnight. Having Shopify at your fingertips, it just allows us to kind of jump in. Start selling today with Shopify to join the commerce platform powering thousands of businesses across the UK. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.co.uk slash green. Go to shopify.co.uk slash green to start selling online today.